0: everybody welcome to another episode of 100 words or less the podcast it's kind of weird getting enthusiastic about an intro yeah i have to like do some laps around the block in order to be like yeah get pumped listen to this episode woo the guest this week is danny nash from the band departures from scotland that's a terrible accent and i won't act like i'm good at it this is part of the you need to know about this band series. I'll be doing them occasionally where it's like, you know, you may not know this band or the person behind the band, but they either have a really interesting story or you need to know about this band. And fortunately, Departures is both of them. Danny has a really compelling story and uh, the band is absolutely incredible. So check them out. Anyways, com. They also agree with me about Departures. Zach loves this record and has featured the band occasionally. Done some interviews with them, if I'm not mistaken. But go to propertyofzach.com. Visit there for all the latest in music news. I would say gossip, but not really. They report on stuff. They're very uh, they're very on top of it. So it may seem like they're gossiping, but they're not. They check their shit out. So yeah, propertyofzach.com. We love them as a partner and exciting. Uh, go visit the website, 100wordspodcast.com. From there, you can see all of the episodes, not to mention all of the other random fun stuff that I post in between shows, usually like movies, music, recommendations of that nature. So check it out because people have been corresponding with me on that via the Ask Anything feature on Tumblr. So it's been cool, and I enjoy that experience. Also, if you're feeling ever so generous, go to the iTunes store, type in 100 words podcast and review the show. Drop some stars, drop some sentences, whatever you feel at that very moment. I would appreciate that because I do look into it and I really do look at those comments and go like, okay, I see what that person doesn't like. I'm sorry the Skype interviews aren't the best thing in the world, but they make do. So anyways, do that and I really, really do appreciate all the time that you put into that also shout out to our editor tom richfield he i'll be hanging out with him like when this episode is posted he'll be in the states and we'll be hanging out and i enjoy that okay i gotta talk about something that has been on my mind for a while because what i do is I, I, I when i get these ideas in my head as far as like okay shit to talk about that i think other people may find interesting or it may bother them or it may challenge them whatever i write it down i have a little program on my phone that goes well that's me typing I write it down, and then that way I revisit it later. But I wrote this down, fuck God, months ago, and I just haven't got around to speaking about it until now. Anybody that takes part in social networking has noticed and will continue to notice that there are people who I would like to call, and I would agree that most other people would call them the same thing, internet famous, where it's like these people have thousands and thousands of followers on whatever social platform they decide to quote-unquote dominate, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, and obviously going back even further, MySpace. And you kind of like look at why these people are pushing themselves. And to me, I don't know, it just kind of blows my mind. I'm not going to sit here and act like I don't care about how many followers or people that are paying attention to what I'm doing. Do I promote myself constantly in regards to... Hey, give me some more followers. Like, let's let's do Fall Fridays. Let's trade back. Like, here's some you know self portraits of me. Like, there's just so much stuff that we as normal humans don't do. I don't know why looking at certain people, and I'm not going to name names. You probably know a person down the street from your house that is that. This can speak to our culture in general, as far as like people that are famous for not really doing anything. But you can obviously boil it down to a more microcosm: our music scene level. Why are these people, you know, known? It's not like they've necessarily done anything awesome or cool, whether it's like playing in a band, whether it's creating something like a zine, a podcast, whatever. Not like those things are ultimately the coolest because those are pretty nerdy. But it's like, you know, they like plan parties and shit like that, which to me in and of itself, I mean, it's something you can make a living off of, but it's not something that's like lasting. I don't know. I just feel very strange about it and seeing these people that are working within the music industry and have this whole internet persona and are like doing photo shoots for themselves just to post on their social networks. Something strikes me as strange. Well, it doesn't feel like something for one that I would ever do. And there's something about it that kind of, you know, irks me. like, uh, it's like, tickles me in the back of my brain. I don't support it. I mean, in the sense of like following these people and being like, yeah, those are great people who are contributing to our cultural canon. If those people bother you, let me know. If you want to be even more sort of gossipy, we can talk privately. You can email the show and be like, yo, this person really annoys me. And I'll be like, yo, I can see what you're talking about. It could be our own little sewing circle. We could be like the nerd kid's in the corner being like, look at the fucking football player. Like, that guy is so cool, but man, he's such a nerd. Like, you know, that whole sort of high school gossip stuff. You know, it's still fun to do, even though I'm way past that point. But internet famous people, it just makes you scratch my head. That's basically all I'm trying to say. Anyways, Danny Nash from Departures. He plays guitar and he just has a really compelling story. I'm going to let it let him tell it in his own words rather than give away the uh, the big reveal or what have you. But check it out because I think not only will you find this interview compelling because uh, he does have an interesting story, but the music that these dudes create is incredible. So, there you go. I'll talk to you after. my first experience with you and your band i'm older i'm 32 years old you know i'm dead by all definition of most punk and hardcore kids
1: (laughs) you're not that much older (laughs) yes
0: it's one of those things where it's it's so rare i mean i'm sure you experience this too where it's like you hear a band and you're just like what the fuck where did this come from like <laughs> yeah. I remember being in the no sleep office, and Chris being like, "Hey, this you know this uh, friend of mine managed this band. Like, let's check this out and played twenty one for me, and it was like, shut up, what is this? <laughs>
1: oh no way!
0: And it just took me to a place of like, oh, like this is what it's like to be excited about a a, a band. Oh,
1: sure. thank you. You're welcome.
0: <laughs> so good job. Way to way to be way to be good. Yeah,
1: no, thanks. <laughs> <It's
0: funny. laughs> yeah, you're like, well, you know, I mean, we're awesome, so I appreciate that. Oh,
1: no, that's all. <laughs>
0: Like in listening to what you guys have done, you've been a band for what less than five, six years, right?
1: Uh, yeah, we we started in two thousand seven, so six years now.
0: Okay, it's really interesting to watch a band like had never heard of you prior to Teenage Hayes, like going back and listening to it. You know, your previous full length and previous seven inch. You guys sound nothing like what you do now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you you should do the stuff before that if you think that's different. It's it's uh, something. <laughs> so it's a different band completely, honestly.
0: It's always cool to see that. You can see where a band is trying to like go, but then to yeah. actually be able to like jump in at a certain point and then go back and be like, this is what they were doing, you know, when they were much younger.
1: I mean, we started and it was just, you know, American Nightmare no warning comeback kid that sort of thing that we wanted to sound like. Yeah. I wouldn't say that that's even that present in our sound at all anymore, really.
0: I mean, it, I think that just comes with age, where it's like, we want to sound like this now, or just grow up and we know how to write music.
1: <laughs> yeah, it could be it, yeah. I mean, I, I think it goes a lot with uh, what we listen to as well, and it's just not, I mean, I hardly any of us even listen to much hardcore anymore. Like, I think it just comes with getting older.
0: You can't listen to yelling, yeah. you know, seven <laughs> hours a day. Exactly, yeah. But it's funny, because you'll still... Uh, you'll still always view yourself as, like, a hardcore kid. Like, I mean, I guess the the same could be said about, you know, if you get into, you know, Sisters of Mercy or uh, whatever, and, like, you're a goth kid. I don't know if those kids, you know, when they're, you know, whatever, late 20s, early 30s, if they view themselves
1: as, like, a goth kid. But I guess, I mean, you get to the certain age, and then you sort of stay that person, I think. I, I, I say this like sometimes I'm like, you know, well, I don't listen to as, as much hardcore anymore. But at the same time, we're still writing it and we're still playing it. We're still playing music that's filled with uh, yelling, as you said. Yeah. you were
0: What city do you actually reside in now? Glasgow. Glasgow. And you have to say it like that. Glasgow. Glasgow. <laughs> Sorry. Glasgow. I'm just kidding. Yeah, you could say it like us Americans do. Glasgow. Glasgow. Yeah, no,
1: Glasgow. I'm staying right now. Yeah.
0: I mean, that that's hard to be a band in Glasgow. Oh, Yeah. You're on an island.
1: We are on an island in the middle of nowhere, that's right. Even by our standards, we're like kind of far up from everything else, you know. You're in like the northern part of the city? Just in terms of the UK, like we're, we're far away from Right. We, I mean, my friends' bands are from even further up north and it's even worse for them, but...
0: Yeah, is that... Uh, so were you born and raised in Scotland? No, uh,
1: I was born in uh, Poole in Dorset, which is like the very south coast of England. My, my whole family mm-hmm. from there. Uh, most of them still live there. Like my, my sister moved back down recently. But It's just me and my mom up here now. But we moved up here when I was two. Uh, just because of my dad's work, I think that was when we moved up. I, I didn't even grow up here. I grew up in a really small town called Falkirk, sort of halfway between Glasgow and Edinburgh.
0: Okay what was your family structure like? Like you said, you have a sister and what was your, you know, mom and dad doing at the time for, for work?
1: Well, my dad worked, I think he's an electrician, like that's his like trade. Um, I think he worked for a, it was like a, a, a company that supplied, like medical beds to hospitals that was what he worked for i mean I, I don't know if he worked on them or i think he just delivered them or whatever my mom was just a, like a, a housewife at the time when we moved up
0: so it's just you and your sister
1: oh no i've got a big sister and a little sister
0: okay well yeah you you can understand why she had to stay home to take care of three kids but essentially you your formative years were in glasgow or, I mean, in, in the smaller city, like you said, in, in Scotland.
1: Small, yeah, in Folkert, yeah, yeah. Definitely.
0: That's obviously so far removed from what I've ever experienced in my life. <laughs> so it's like, it sounds like a cliched question, but like, you know, what was that like? Was it like a rural farm community or like, paint a picture for me.
1: Well, okay, right. Well, <laughs> I say I grew up in a town called Falkirk. I actually grew up in a village near that town called Falkirk. Um, which is, you know, if you can if you picture Scotland and you're seeing like fields and sheep everywhere, it was pretty much that. Um at the back of my house there, there was just a field filled with sheep. That was that was where I lived.
0: It's crazy. Like here in the states, like they picture Midwest living. Like that's hard for people that live in New York or Philadelphia or L.A. to picture. But then, like the, what you've experienced is like more removed from anything you see. These characters in a movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can imagine. Like it's probably similar to how I sort of picture Europe. But, like there's there's it gonna it's it's so different that you might not be able to. I said, yeah, I guess it's a completely different country it's like it's a different um landscape completely
0: you lived in such a rural community like was it one of those things like as you started to experience larger cities was it like whoa holy shit what is this
1: <laughs> well yeah I remember I used to my, I had a friend called Ian like who I actually lived with pretty much since I moved through to the city like he was my flatmate like up until recently um and he was a sort of he was the guy that was like he sort of knew about everything he knew about all the cool bands i knew about um he always would make me come through to glasgow remember them i remember just walking around and he was like you keep looking up at all the buildings like the tall buildings because i wasn't used to it <laughs> so i go back to Falkirk now and i'm like everything is so small like because my mom's still lives there so i go back through occasionally and i'm like even this like main high street that i remember being huge is it's so it's just small like, everything's miniature
0: yeah how many people lived in the village
1: well in the village like a couple of well, it, over it must have been a few hundred. Like, it was really small. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then like there was a couple more villages before you got to that town. It's not tiny, but it's not big.
0: As you were kind of growing up and you started to go to... What, what do you guys call high school over there? Do you call it secondary school? or well, I call it high school. Oh, you call it high school. Okay. So as you started to, you know, grow up and go to high school, did the world open up for you at all? Or was it one of those things where it's still we're in the same sense of smaller community and, you know, sort of rural living?
1: Yeah. Well, to a degree, I mean, it was until about, I was kind of just the same as always was until about like year three at school where this guy called Alan, like joined our school. He'd come from another school and he was like, it's like, goth, and, like, no one had ever seen anything like it, like, in our school at all, there was no one like that in our school uh, like, came in wearing, like corn t-shirt and like had like piercings and stuff and wore like baggy jeans and shit like that and until that point I was the same then i sort of became friends with him i don't even know how i became friends with him. like i've always played like sort of instruments and stuff and he was a, a drummer and that was how i sort of side talking to him and like he sort of changed like a lot i think in it, that was
0: everybody looked at him like who is this freak you kind of looked at him like hey this guy may be onto something
1: <laughs> it should have been like that but it was kind of like everyone i think was a bit taken aback by it and it was pretty cool like in our school like like which is unusual i
0: think it may have just been exclusive to where i went i remember uh, an experience similar to that like there was this this really small town in kentucky it's called ashland kentucky for whatever reason my friend in you know junior high and i think freshman year of high school he would always go back there and visit his grandma because she lived there i think this was like maybe i was like 12 13 maybe a little bit older, going back there, for whatever reason, we went to like the high school that one day because I guess my friend's cousin went there or whatever. And so at the time, we were like just starting to get into like no effects and lag wagons. So, you know, we had like the typical sort of surfer, you know, punk hair or whatever. So, you know, we looked out of place in a small town, but it was so strange because... We walked into the high school and people totally were just like, "Who are these guys? These guys are incredible!" Like, and we we were, we were there for like an hour. We had girls come up to us and be like, "Hey, hey, do you want to hang out later?" And it's like,
1: "Who are you? What?" Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty similar thing, I think. Like, I remember he came in one day, like in like white contacts, in you know, like that make like the the colored bit of your eyes white. He was that and uh, a Slipknot t-shirt with like, it had like the lyrics to uh, one that's like, the chorus is like, fuck it all, fuck this. Like I had like the word fuck on it about five times. Like he got in, I think he got in a troll and then obviously instantly he was just incredibly cool because of that. Dude, that's incredible.
0: Everybody was kind of like, oh, th- this guy's edgy and cool. And you mentioned that you had uh, played instruments before. Was your family musical or how did that sort of enter your life?
1: Yeah, my dad plays guitar.
0: Oh, OK. So he, he kind of ushered you into that?
1: Kind of not. Like, I mean, I was always more interested in drumming. Like, I remember like, probably about five or like even younger than that, maybe I just drummed on everything. I used to get in trouble at school for drumming on everything. I remember my mum and dad bought me a like toy drum kit when I was about six or something and I broke it like the first time I used it because I was playing it like an actual drum kit, I remember that. <laughs> but there was one year my parents were like sort of quite strict like Christians, I was quite a sort of strict quite Christian upbringing. I had to go to church every week, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Up until a certain age anyway. And I got sent to this like camp, like Christian camp thing. It was the worst time I remember getting home in the worst mood. And uh, they bought me an actual drum kit. This is when I was about twelve, I think, and that was like—I remember that was like mind blowing. And I was sort of obsessed with drumming for a while. But then I, my dad was quite funny about letting me play his guitar. And then, like one day, he let me play it, and was, that was it. From then on, I was like, nah, I'm not bothered about drums anymore.
0: <laughs> You're like the drum kit's way too. There's way too much going on.
1: Pretty much, I mean, I, the first ever band I was in was with like a group of friends from that small village. We used to practice at like this village hall that was there, and I played drums for them. But all we did was like covers of um like Oasis, Jimi Hendrix, and stuff like that. Sure, but yeah, and I reached a point where I wasn't bored about drums anymore. I haven't really ever played them since.
0: You know, usually the first instrument you kind of latch on to that's like yeah. w- what you do, but you're like, nah.
1: No, it's a bit weird, but it's quite unusual, I think. I do miss drums sometimes, like, even now, I'm like, oh, i miss.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I, I didn't even really think about Scotland in general as far as the sort of religious atmosphere, but so your parents were pretty, like, strict, like, what, what sort of denomination as far as Christianity was concerned?
1: It wasn't, like, overly strict, but... Denomination of
0: Christianity. I mean, like because there's like Lutheranism, and was it just kind of the the, the sort of run of the mill Christianity?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was just sort of yeah, just straight up Christian. Like, the, I'm I'm sure my, my mom could talk to you for uh, was about you know specifically <laughs> what she might be, but I, I I don't want to say you know. Yeah, like over here, there's just sort of you have like Protestant Christians sort of thing, and you have Catholics, and that's that's all I know of it anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, my mum right now goes to a church and it's just, it's a really small group of people. They might consider themselves not as mainstream as, you know, the main ones. I don't know.
0: I'm just curious because it's one of those things that each region in the world has such a strong preference to one religion. And so it never occurs to me that it's like, oh yeah, Scotland, like that would probably be a pretty heavy religious background in that country as well.
1: Not so much. I mean, I didn't really enjoy church. I remember I used to get, I just got dragged to it, like... Every week, okay, you know? it's because it's not because of anything like to do with the religion. I was just, I was, you know, I was a kid and it was boring. Yeah, it was yeah. Sunday, like it's two days off from school and I have to go there in the morning.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Because, the whole idea of parents forcing their kids to do stuff, no matter what it is, whether it's music, religion, anything, it's like when you're forcing someone to do something, they're eventually going to get to that point where it's like, you know what, I don't want to do this. Why are you making me do this?
1: Maybe I'm I may even younger, maybe 14, when i Maybe 13 when I was just stopped going to just, my mom didn't make me anymore.
0: I can't do this anymore. I can't drag Danny.
1: I don't, the only memory I have is just sitting there so bored, trying to distract myself with anything available. My sister used to bring like toys and it was just, like the girliest sort of toys that were like Polly Pocket or something, a Barbie or something. I used to just play with them just for something to do. <laughs> something
0: to pay attention to besides this. And so that kid came to your school, and by that time you had already been into music. The choices for the music that you could get into were pretty limited because, obviously, you know. I mean, you were you were getting into this stuff still when the internet was kind of young and not as easily accessible as it is now.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I don't think I even had it it then. Like We didn't get it till quite late because where I lived, you couldn't even get broadband; like you can only get dial-up. Right. Uh I think that sounds like burned into everyone's brains forever, anyone that was there. <laughs> I had, like I briefly had cable TV and you know, I where I lived, like it was basically you know, like like sort of mainstream just pop indie stuff. The more alternative kids that were in town that I wasn't like I remember there was this like one place where they all hung out behind uh, a shopping centre in town, but I wasn't really friends with them at this point. From what I can remember now it's either like like punk or like punk slash pop punk mm-hmm. so like no effects, less inject that sort of thing or like blink 182 offspring etc uh, either that or you like new metal and that was it i would say that i was definitely into new metal but i w- also like the first cd i ever bought myself was blink 182's in of the state oh yeah but yeah yeah it was pretty much that yeah it was like you, if you're alternative you like either those punk bands or these new metal bands there was no like hardcore or anything really
0: you were in such a small community that it's hard to access that
1: i really hit us it's all like um, it's, just, it's so embarrassing like, i remember like seeing uh you know nookie the song nookie ball and biscuit of course yeah i remember seeing that on tv for the first time and like obviously it was just like mind-blowing for me I was just like that's the heaviest thing i've ever heard oh yeah well I to find out what that is no. Dude, I,
0: I was, I mean, I was the same way when I heard, you know, Corin's blind for the first time. Yeah. It's it, 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 all you have to do is like, you know, whatever age you find something at, that's when it's just like, Oh my God, of course this is the heaviest thing ever. There's literally nothing heavier than this.
1: Yeah. Well, I sort I felt about that song. I remember just being, and I didn't know who it was at the time because it was just a clip. I was like, I think of what that was. It was incredible. Yeah. yeah I, I got to find out what this is immediately. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And like, and, I think I liked significantly before that guy joined my school. But then I remember him, like, uh we in music class one day and he was like, oh, have you heard this man called Papa Roach? Like, you remember that? Yeah. It shows us a CD. I was like, no, I've never heard of this. What's this? That sounds horrible and like, amazing. Like, wouldn't go that. I was like, we really into them for so I was basically, like, you know, just all of the sort of main, like, like, sort of mainstream new metal bands, I love them. Like, you know, when I was around, like, 14, 15...
0: Right. Well, and, and you probably didn't see any live music, like a concert, until you were much older, right? Mm-hmm. Or when, when? was the first experience you the, had from that?
1: The first show I ever went to see, and it's such a weird thing because pretty much everyone from Scotland that is my age, the first show was this show. It was uh, the Offspring at this like huge like um, sort of arena venue in uh, in Glasgow when I think I was about two thousand one, maybe or two thousand two. I was I was quite young. I remember I got, my mum's friend took me to it. Like, I, I loved that band as well at the time. I, I remember me, me and my friend going through like a magazine just looking for shows that we could go to that were under 18. Uh-huh. Because all of a sudden it was like, I love going to shows. I've only ever been to one, but I love it. I think like, the second gig I ever went to was, a, do you remember a band called um, Boy Hits Car? I don't see I'd never heard them before, but it was just the only show that was under 18 that was coming that I could go to. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, you were just at that time you were just like, okay, I know that I like the idea of watching people play music. I'll take anything. You're a star for that experience rather than being discerning on like, oh, I'm only going to go to this show because I know I like this band already. Yeah, it's kind of an awesome place to be because there may have been stuff that you never would have watched if you were raised in a more metropolitan area.
1: I can't think of like the sort of mentality I had at the time, but it was just, you know, we just need to go to some shows like, just because that, that one was amazing, so let's go see more. doesn't matter who.
0: Oh, yeah, you get to a point where you're just like, oh, there's so many shows, I can't go to this, I can't <laughs> go to that, and it's like, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah you know
0: what was the introduction in regards to kind of you know the punk hardcore type stuff that obviously has led your life to where you're at now
1: yeah well um well my friend ian who I talked about the guy i live with like it was him pretty much you know he always sort of knew more of i don't even know how he just didn't have the internet he must have i think he just he read like american magazines a lot like he read like big cheese and magazines like that So mm-hmm. obviously maybe featured this stuff more i don't know he was in, like hate breed and like Earth Crisis and bands like that, mm-hmm. um, and that was sort of my, my introduction to it. I'm, I'm, I, it I, didn't, I wasn't really that bothered about it until um, a load of my like a few of my friends, uh, James, uh, who's the singer of Departures, they started a, a hardcore band like because they were all properly into it. Like before I was, and I ended up joining that band, and that was sort of how I properly got into it like you know i've joined the hardcore band without actually listening to much hardcore after after that point you know obviously i I got introduced to a lot of bands through that band
0: it's interesting because it's like so many people have the experience of just like having all of this stuff at their fingertips Yeah, yeah where where it's like you know you just by location and proximity to said music it was difficult for you to access and then all of a sudden once you had a little way in. It was like, oh wow, here's this whole world.
1: Yeah, I mean, be, uh, being from where we were from, it is, it's really hard to even be aware of this stuff. You know, like well, I didn't know any of this was going on, and it turns out it'd been going on for a long time. And we just didn't... <laughs> Yeah,
0: you're like, oh, what's under here? Holy shit, this yeah, whole thing.
1: Pretty much, yeah. Like that, that was it. <laughs> Um you know American nightmare. One of my favorite favorite hardcore bands is still are. I feel like people ask me, you know, name some favorite hardcore bands. that would be in there. Because there weren't many hardcore bands like playing actual hardcore around. It was like mostly metalcore-ish stuff. we were one of the like not that many doing it. Um, we got offered a lot of shows and like some of the shows we're playing. I think of them like I, like that's ridiculous. Like I'd, I'd love to go and see that show now. We once played with um, the lineup was us, a few of our friends' bands on, and then Champion and Comeback Kid were headlining. I'd love to see that again. Like,
0: <laughs> You're like, oh, well, I think that happens with everybody. There are times where it's like, you see a show. When you were younger, and it's like, okay. oh, I, I would appreciate it so much more yeah, now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah There's quite a lot of them. I'm mean, probably like the promise in bands like
0: that. Departures has been around for, like you said, six years. But what was that? What was the first band? Like, what was the sort of you know, besides the cover band that you were obviously doing?
1: Okay, right. I was in the band. The band that I joined with that guy that joined my school. We were, <laughs> like we were called uh, Anger of the Victim.
0: Oh, that's great. That's a perfect. That's a perfect name. <laughs> I love the band names where you're able to predict what the band sounds like without <laughs> even hearing them, and that's totally like that.
1: Yeah, just it was, it was a new metal. That was it, was it was a new metal band.
0: Oh, a weird! I never would have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, though. Yeah. So that was once you played a show. Was it one of those things where you were like, "I need to continue to figure out ways to do this," or was it like, "Oh, this is just kind of fun"?
1: Well, I loved it. I still do. I mean, but obviously. Not to the same degree that you when you first do it, and you're like, "This is amazing!" Like, um, a show. It doesn't matter where it is, just playing in front of some people watching your band it doesn't matter. Because
0: who- yes, you know, you hear certain people who it's like they play one show and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm de- you know, I'm destined to live on the stage."
1: Possibly. I mean, after I was in that band, I got, I got offered to join another band uh, just from Glasgow, and they they sort of they were getting like all the sort of cool shows and like playing. Tours was sort of pretty big bands. And I think it was at that point when I joined that band that I was sort of like, you know, maybe this is something I could do. And I, went, like, I think it was in college at the time, I think I like quit college to just because this band practiced like three or four times a week through in Glasgow. So I had to just be through all the time to do that.
0: I'm sure your parents were pretty excited about that.
1: <laughs> she has always been ridiculous always supportive of I me, mean, like, regardless of what it is, to be honest. Yeah. When it comes to that, like, um, my mum was in, it was very, mum was in hospital at the time. I think she, it was like asthma or something. Oh, yeah, I've been um, asked to join this, like, like band, but I mean, it's a real band, and, but I have to, not go to college anymore because I have to practice all the time and be in Glasgow. <laughs> so you you, you yeah,
0: told her you told her when she was in the she, hospital. I
1: don't know. What, what was I doing? What was I playing at? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dude, that's incredible. That speaks to you. I mean, youth in general.
1: And, well, maybe that gives you an idea of how excited I was about it. I was very
0: excited. I got to get this out immediately. I don't care. Mom, I got to do this.
1: <laughs> it's just sort of silly looking back now. Like, I was really excited. Like, I, you know, the band, the anger of the victim band We played with this band a couple of times and, Every time we were just like, fuck, that band's just made every other band look shit. Like, what's the point? Yeah, it was a bit like that. They were, they were really good at the time.
0: What, what was that band's
1: name? Uh, Seven Stone Lighter. I didn't that's have a, anything
0: to that, do with that. That's a very British name, though. Seven Stone Lighter.
1: Yeah, I guess so, yeah. like um, They were sort of Glassjoy, like emo type stuff. Uh,
0: or, Or maybe you can reference 100 Reasons.
1: <laughs> oh no! I in the You asked them what they were into at the time. They just all go It yeah, was just like,
0: It was always so interesting to me, just because I did pay attention to music so closely. Where it's like there are certain bands in the UK that obviously like are gigantic, but no one knows who they are over here. And it's just like I could mention that name to four hundred people here, and not one person would know. Or they may be like, "Oh, maybe I've heard
1: of them." It's like, it's oh my, weird. Because I just assume when you said it I just assumed that everyone knew who they were over there as well.
0: Yeah, no one. Probably survey like 10,000 people and you'd probably get like maybe two people that have heard of them.
1: It's insane. I, I remember I, I saw 100 Reasons about being Times just because they supported every band.
0: They were the band that you take on tour forever. You go to the UK, you got to play with 100 Reasons. <laughs>
1: yeah, pretty much, yeah.
0: Like you said, you were going to college and then you dropped out. What
1: were you studying at the time? Just some useless was like music and audio technology. You know what I mean? I was just like, I was just, you know, anything music that I'll do, I'm just doing music. I'm good at music, that's what I know.
0: Yeah, you were just killing time, basically.
1: Pretty much, yeah. I mean that that uh, I, I know a few people that did that course, and it was at, at college in Falkirk, that town, mm-hmm. uh, including the singer of Departures, James. He did it as well, and <laughs> all the, all these people that have done that course have just like never used it in any way in their life.
0: You know, whenever the professor is teaching the class, just be like, "All right, I know you're not going to use this," so. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah this is all pretty much you know superfluous information like you're just here because you needed something to do with your time i mean there was a lot of just rubbish it's just like the workings of an xlr cable microphones and stuff like that Like just stuff i was not interested in. there was a small part of it that was about actual music like production like recording music that was interesting but that was about it. the guy that took us from that was just i mean he was as well i don't know how he got that job like I mean, it was like starting out a sitcom. Like, he'd written theme tune for some kids' TV show, and he just talked about that every class. That was He spent the class talking about that every single time.
0: <laughs> he was like, you may know me from this.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, pretty much. And he, like, he'd talk about how you know, all you need to do is make, you know, just the one, you know, just make one theme tune, you know, sell it. That's you, story. So
0: basically, he's like a shittier version of uh the actor Hugh Grant in the movie about a boy.
1: I'm not- <laughs> yeah, pr- yeah, pretty much a lot shittier.
0: So yeah, you were killing time, you basically, you know, were excited to play in this band, so you quit college. Did the band tour at all? The band play like, you know, outside of, of Scotland at all?
1: We did some really big shows. I don't know how we did it. And it's one of those things that because I, I was so young I just didn't appreciate what was happening. Like that band had like a management company that just paid for everything, like like paid for all the gear and stuff. Like, oh wow yeah i know like i've never had that since either like was just that was a one-off with that band at the time i love that
0: you get this totally like
1: posh experience yeah. and then
0: yeah but you never knew anything different and then now that you have to do a lot of stuff on your own you're like oh shit
1: i didn't appreciate it in any way because it was just like oh what, is this not just what happens with bands like, i don't know i don't know <laughs> a- and then like i didn't like if that happened now it'd be like you know like, unbelievable because just, I know how it works now. Just, yeah, like, they had that and you know, just something like really big. She was supporting Glory once at this at the place called the Barlands, which is like, a lot. I mean, that's about 2,000, 3,000 people. Uh-huh. And that's, I mean, that's big. But then we did a, a tour, which was, um, the lineup was Funeral for a Friend, Headline, and Killswitch Engage. They used, this is like, like Story of the Year on it. It's all these, like, okay. colossal bands. And, you know, it was, like, we played, like, the, the SCCC, which is, like, the biggest venue in Glasgow, pretty much. Mm. Um, we you know, like like, 9,000 people, and we did, like, Cardiff Arena in Wales, which was, like, 10,000 people. That's crazy. Yeah I, yeah, I know. Like, I mean, it was only those couple of shows that, like, it was, like, I always forget that that even happened. You know what I mean? I never really tell anyone about it, because I just forget it happened, because I was, I think it was 19, or well, I was 18 or 19 at the time, I just...
0: You were just kind of like you said. You joined this band. You were kind of along for the ride. Actually, and... yeah,
1: you know, I hadn't done any work to get them where they were.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's it's interesting that you had this experience of playing in front of fucking massive amounts of people, mm-hmm. and then obviously getting to a point of where you are playing in front of audiences that are you know a hundred people or less. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. That's where we are now. Definitely. <laughs>
0: Right, right. It was funny because as I was uh, you know just doing some simple you know further research on you guys, I didn't even I didn't even know like in just seeing that uh, alternative press, you know, little blurb where it's like you know you you mentioned obviously the the battle that you had with cancer. and yeah. I was like, oh, I mean, I knew that it was out there, but I didn't know that it ever was like talked about. And so the fact that you went through that also gives you the perspective of where you can play in front of 10,000 people yeah. and not and not appreciate it but then play in front of 100 people and really appreciate it.
1: Basically, we had to do a phone interview for that. It was like the, the 100 bands feature that they had that month. Right. One of departures needed to do a phone interview. And like generally, the interviews get sort of... It's mostly email interviews we do. Passed on to me, I, d- I just end up doing them. But this day, like, because I'm the only person that works in an office in our band, I was the only person that could take the phone call at the time. But um, it was in December, I think. Um, And I had my operation in January. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, November. Um, I had my operation in November and um, I had like, you know, part of my tongue cut off. So I couldn't really talk that well. And, like, I still struggle a bit. I mean, you might you wouldn't know what I sounded like before, I guess. So, basically, like, when he phoned, I had to explain. I was like, look, if I sound a bit, you know, I was, like, put, lisping quite badly and stuff. I was like, you know, if that's why, you know, I had an operation recently. And, that. And, you know, obviously, straight away, the guy was like, oh, really? yeah, surgery? Oh, yeah, let's talk about that then. Yeah, come on. Let's have it.
0: That's, like, an angle to the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, I don't... As soon as I hung up the phone after being talking, I was like, I don't know if I wanted to talk about that. I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't mind talking about it, but I don't want it to seem like you know I'm trying to make it a thing because I'm one, you a hundred percent not. Right? It's not like that.
0: Well, I, I could totally understand where you're coming from because it's like this isn't an angle. This isn't something that was like a strategic ploy. I'm like, all right, yeah, Danny's gonna go out there and start talking about how he how he fought cancer and won. And now Departures is going to be known as the band that killed cancer. Like, yeah, you don't want that as your narrative.
1: <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, Like I mean, it was just, it just sort of happened. And I was like, well, whatever. Like Instantly, I think, you know what, like someone reads that and goes, oh, you know, he's just trying to, you know, he might be using that. But like at the same time, I'm like, well, oh, I went through it. So who cares?
0: It's part of what makes you,
1: you. I think it's the thing that happened to me, so I can talk yeah. about it.
0: right would you mind sharing the details in regards to that there's not not much out there from that perspective like you said you had part of your tongue removed so i mean was it was it cancer of the mouth like what what happened
1: well basically what happened was it was actually it was while we were down recording uh, teenage heads like for a while i'd noticed i thought i just an ulcer like occasionally i smoked at the time so i used to get ulcers every now and then i I, I remember at that point i was like this has been here for quite a long time and it won't go away, and it's starting to get really sore, and I remember, like, just try to eat, like, even just try to eat, something hurt, and we got back from that, and I went to work. One day, I was just like, I think it just got so painful, I was like, right, I, I felt like such a dick, like, it was the most stupid phone call I ever made, the I phoned my, I say most stupid, it was one of the most important, I guess, but at the same time, uh, I sort of, I phoned my boss, because he wasn't in at the time, and I was like, I think I need to go to the doctor, and he was like, all right, what, and I was like, well, my tongue hurts, <laughs> and it was like <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's like right. your tongue hurts and it just won't stop and it's uh bizarre. And he was like, Your tongue I was like, Yep, yeah, that's it, sorry, I know I sounded a bit daft and he was like, Well, you know, you, you sort of, it out go for it. So I went through it and spoke to my doctor and I remember thinking like she she looked a bit like confused by it, like it wasn't the usual sort of thing. But then mm-hmm. she just went, um, I'll I'll, pres- I'll prescribe you some antibiotics. But like, and what's just happened to me before, so I've had like throat infections or whatever, and I get prescribed antibiotics. But this time she went, um, you know, but I want to see you again in in 10 days. And I was like, okay. I didn't think anything of it, obviously, at the time. I just thought, well, antibiotics will get rid of it. It's just a stupid infection thing. And I took them. Obviously, nothing happened. but like it just didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. I went back. She prescribed me some more. And then... Nothing happened. I went back and she referred me to the hospital to see, you know, someone that specialised in this area. And that's sort of how it began.
0: What was the actual diagnosis you had? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Cancer of the mouth? Is that what it's called? Yeah, pretty much.
1: Yeah, it's just oral cancer. There's a, there's a proper name for it, but uh, I don't remember.
0: Was it directly due to the smoking
1: that you were doing? Uh, uh, they get the biopsy on my tongue and they were like, I, I don't know what that was at the time and it turned like you know and they sat me in a chair and then the guy like put a needle in my tongue to numb it which is like horrifying right <laughs> and then like cut a bit out and diagnose it and stuff and then um, i went through um the you know to, to they, they had me um scheduled in to go and see this doctor you know tell me what was up and that and obviously it, there was it, you know the cancer had never crossed my mind at all no at that point you know which is why with it and I went into the room and my mum was there um, not in the room with me though and I sat down and he was like yeah have you got anyone with you and I went "Well, yeah my mum's here and she was like well do you want to bring her in and I was like that's okay you know they went well I think it'd be better if someone was here and I was like You know, even at that point I don't think I was just like yeah whatever okay uh-huh. so um, my mum came in and then you know it's straight away this guy was just like yeah this is cancer and I was like Oh right! I think my initial, like my mum, obviously, like our reaction, like properly me out. She's instantly like just aghast and started to tear up, in that. And I was like more concerned with that than what I'd just been told. I think. Sure. Like,
0: yeah, right Like um, the the way that the human brain functions, it's like okay, I can't process cancer, but I can process me trying to console my mom. Yeah,
1: that must have been how it was. Well, at the time, I didn't know anything about cancer No none in my family's ever had it. Like my parents never like, had it, grandparents and had it. After I'd sort of taken it in for a minute or two, I was just like, right, so am I going to die? Like, like, is that going to happen? Like, I'm in six months, will I be dead? Is that, is, that, is that it?
0: Like, what was his prognosis? Was he like, okay, you've got a year to live? Or is this like, if we treat it right away, we'll be okay?
1: You know, it was really early, so they, they couldn't really say much. Like, he just sort of went, those there's, there's, there's good news and bad news. Bad news is what you've got is not a good cancer to have. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay you know like that like there is a good cancer but you know, right he, yeah
0: here's the best cancer you can yeah, possibly I, have I, exactly
1: Yeah, no, he was like it's not a good place to get it you know in terms you know relatively but we can treat it you know and then he just sort of it went on for a bit about what the treatment was um what it might entail lasting information and it, uh, he, he told me that at the time he was like you know i'm just going to hit you with a lot of stuff here and you might not be able to take it in but i have to you know because he, he does It's his job and all that. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't really know what to think. It was just weird. Like, it was, you know, leaving and driving back to the train station to come back to to Glasgow. was just so weird. Like, it was just sitting there like, okay.
0: You probably just felt like you were watching your life as opposed to living
1: it. Yeah, well, pretty much. I got a train back and the weirdest train ride, like, I text my girlfriend at the time and I text uh, James Kino, the uh, singer, um, just to come and meet me. I was like, yeah, I think you guys need to come and meet me. Uh, like, uh, my main concern was just, you know, am I going to die? Like, uh, people die from cancer, and that's all I know. Like,
0: Do I need to prepare for the ending, or do I need to, like, <laughs> look past that?
1: Yeah, pretty much. It was weird, like, and then, you know, obviously I met them, and it was so weird because like, I couldn't, I couldn't spit it out, and I remember Kino just going, "You have you got cancer? And I went,
0: yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, it, you know, because, like, I, I was just sitting there going, yeah, they told me something. Right,
0: right. You're like, I can't i don't know uh, uh yeah even just
1: saying the word out loud it was like it was odd
0: i presume like they said they caught it early you're you're young your body's resilient you were basically just like all right i'm gonna kick this i'm gonna take care of this i'm gonna just do what i can
1: i got a lot of um advice given me that was just useless like and they told me a lot of things you know because they have to like they have to tell you all the worst case scenarios and stuff and i got told so much stuff that i just didn't need to know But I remember the doctors tell me, you know, you're going to wake up at like four in the morning being like, oh, you know, why me, you you know, what have I done? You know, feeling like your world's ending and all that stuff. And that just never happened to me. And I was mostly like fine up until, you know, the operation. I was, I don't know, I handled it fine, I think. Like, like it didn't affect me that much. I didn't even, you know, I didn't even really tell anyone. Like, I, I told a few close friends and that was it. You know, I didn't like, facebook and go oh, right. council. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that, that's that's really true. I don't yeah, well cuz I mean obviously we where we live in the age of oversharing and people people will tell you about what they have for every meal and so it's like do you share something that's like so essentially personal where it's like okay, this is my battle with a disease like if this is something that's going to consume my life for the next, you know, whatever, yeah. 2 or 3 years, and so then obviously people will have to know, but you know, if this is something you can kind of contain, yeah, I never thought about it from that perspective.
1: Well, do you know, I didn't even think about it. Like I just didn't do it. You know, it, it never occurred to me. Like I, I I, never felt the need to go on Facebook and like tell people, you know, I, yeah, like, I mean, I don't, I don't know it. if anyone sure, sure. ever would, like maybe people would, maybe that's the way they deal with it, but I didn't feel like it. Yeah. Well, maybe oh yeah. It, I, I didn't feel like I, I had to at all. It was like, Literally, like, like just you know, yeah. Close friends, you?
0: It's probably one of those things too, where it's just like this is something that you know I'm going to deal yeah. with with my trusted group of people rather than you know I need support from some person I met you know ten years ago in my life. It's like that's that's not it's meaningful. The biggest,
1: like, the thing I was most scared of was the actual operation itself because I've been told the details of that, and that mm-hmm. sounded awful, and it was awful. But you know, there was a couple of days you know of being working. I speak to my friend Nick. Um, I sort of speak to him about it and stuff. And then I don't think he even meant it. And it's like, even when when I think of it now, I'm like, it's not, you know, it's it's almost nothing. Like, he just said to me, I, I remember us being like, you know, fuck, they are doing all this stuff and I'm really scared. I'm scared of like how I'm going to feel, you know, how it's going to feel when I actually wake up from the operation and all that. And then he was just like, I, he, he said to me, um, I, if it was me, I'd just... You know, I just look at it as something that I have to do, like that has to happen. And that, for some reason, like, right. that, I, I thought about that the whole way up to it. And that, in it just, that pretty much got me through it. I don't know how, because I think, even when I think about it now, I'm like, he's pretty much just said, you know, just sort of default advice to you know? but it really helped.
0: You can understand, you can easily do that where you're just like, yeah, this is like me. You know, having to show up to work on a day, I just, I just got to do you know it.
1: What, it made me look at it from this perspective. You know, like I, you know, this is happening. I might as well just accept that. And it's, you know, because if I don't, then, then I will probably die from.
0: You'll, yeah, you'll be too. You'll be too consumed by it, and it'll defeat yeah. you. You
1: know, I, 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 and, so- and so
0: the. Like, are you, you're all, you're all good now for all intents and purposes? Um,
1: You know, everything went as well as it could have, you know, (laughs) given the situation. The day day before I went in, like, you know, I'd already been told about all this stuff that we're going to do. You know, the thing I was most scared of was, um, do you know what a tracheostomy is? No, I don't. (laughs) Man, it's like, basically they make a hole, like, in your sort of lower part of the front of your neck so you can breathe through it. Okay. That's what it is, like, breathing. hole. That was the thing I was most scared of, like, that just sounded just horrible but then the day before i went in because i I had to just stay overnight in the hospital the night before the, 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 i met these you know the doctor i've been dealing with the whole time and this other guy who was also going to be like doing the surgery and the day before they told me um like, yeah uh so we might have to just cut your whole face open so we have to cut your face open or, like, down your cheek, or we're going to have to, like, split your lip and cut down the front of your face. Holy shit. Yeah, think of hearing that. You're already, like, you know, uh, I was getting told, you know, they did have to cut open, like, my my neck itself, so I've got this, like, pretty bad scar, like, from pretty much like under my ear, like, where my neck is, all the way down, and then round the front of my throat. So I had that, and then they were telling me that the day before. I was like, right, cool. you were actually disfigured from
0: that. Yeah, that's insane.
1: (laughs) That was terrifying. And, like, you know, and you know, it was just in case, because of where it was, they might not be able to get access. They'd have to do that. The, the first thing my mom told me when I woke up was, um, "Oh, they didn't have to cut your face open. It's okay." I was like, "Cool." You're like, "Oh, all right." Yeah, I, I, I'm sure I didn't even reply. I couldn't talk at that point. But um, you know, it went well. Um, that didn't happen. You know, the, the two weeks I was in hospital felt like forever to me. But I got better. By comparison, what I'm told is it's mostly older people that get what I had. There's there's some people that would still be, you know, where I was two days in after two weeks. I got better, you know, really fast. So I had to test my lymph nodes, which is like the next place it goes to from the actual initial uh, tumour. And then I got told that I was all clear, so I didn't have to get any chemotherapy or um, radiotherapy. So, you know, in that respect, I was pretty lucky.
0: That's great. I know it sounds cliche, but I'm sure after that happens, it's one of those things where it's like water tastes a little bit better, food tastes a little bit better. And like, did you feel that difference?
1: To take what you just, you know, that sort of metaphor, literally, um, you know, I can I wasn't allowed to eat or drink anything for 10 days. You can't imagine what it was like the first thing they told me that I could, like, drink water. <laughs> I was drinking water and wait, I was almost in tears, just drinking a glass of water. <laughs> that's incredible. Oh, God, don't think I'll ever forget that sip of water that I was able to.
0: Obviously, congratulations are in order. I mean, that's, that's a pretty amazing feat. I mean, like you said, you didn't do anything. You just showed up. But I mean, you mentally prepared yourself to not be in a place where you would be able to... You see that happen so many times with people where it's like... Once, once they've mentally let themselves, like, all right, I don't want to be here anymore. They're not.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. No, I mean, I mean, I worry about stupid things. Like, for some reason, just throughout that, I was okay. Like, I I was. That's the only way I can put it. Like, I was, I was pretty much fine. I didn't have any trouble sleeping. You know, until the night before the operation, that was the only time that I was properly scared. Sure. My friends and my mom were just unbelievably. Supportive and my sisters as well like just it's partly my mental state and partly just all of them properly like helping me through it they really did Uh,
0: it's so weird because it's like hearing the fact that it happened obviously while you were finishing teenage haze i mean so much of that record to me sounds so distinctly desperate in a way that you could see your experience informing the record which is like it's so strange
1: it was kind of before all that um teenage haze was released while i was in before all that but yeah no i know what you mean yeah like the, the the album itself came out like while i was in like i, I remember like having to having to like go on an ipad my girlfriend woman an ipad on to go on that and like post about it all and stuff
0: yeah that's that's amazing
1: yeah but like, I, the only thing was because of that you know I couldn't, we couldn't tour like so we, like I, I was so worried it was like, like i was so worried we we're gonna miss our own boat if you know what i mean because mm-hmm. my arm like they cut like, you know, just to add to the operation, they cut out a whole part of my arm, uh, left arm. Um Uh-oh. and then uh they took out an artery as well. So I've got this like like horrible like scar my arm as well. and um, but because of that my arm was you know, I could hardly move it, but I wouldn't play guitar.
0: Wow, that's incredible.
1: Yeah, she shit. So yeah, yeah, I couldn't do that. we I managed to play a show on, um it was about a month after the operation I was a show. And even at that, like, I was pushing it so, yeah, no, no turn until you know, last month. That's the first thing
0: to Yeah, I mean, it, it's an awesome story. And I just think that I think people that come from our world, and I think anybody that comes from some sort of like, whatever, artistic community, when you actually experience this type of real world shit, yeah. and then you're able to move past it, and then obviously share your experience, that's like what art is all about. and it's like i mean i'm sure the next music that you write and everything that you do from here on out will obviously be informed from that experience but like you said not be not be lost where it's just like oh my my identity is solely resided in the fact that i'm a cancer survivor that's the only thing i'll be i I, I
1: would love to forget about it as soon as possible to be honest (laughs) (laughs) i feel fine but i'm pretty much just waiting for the actual physical like scars to catch up with me, like, and go away, and that, that'll be it. No, I, I mean, it's good to, I mean, I, I want to remember it happened because, like you said, you know, it's one of those things that it makes, it like, the cliched thing of it making you, like, sort of appreciate everything a bit more, and it is it, good in that respect, and I, I, I will remember it in that respect, that, you know, event of it and build up to it and the operation. Like, I just want that to be, you know, a thing of the past. Scaramo and anything, Mom and stuff like that. it's still there. Yeah,
0: well, I really appreciate you sitting down and obviously sharing your experience because I mean, not only did I want to talk to you about that, but obviously, you know, excitement of the music that you're creating—it's just—it's great thing.
1: <laughs> no problem, you're
0: welcome. All right, there is Danny in all of his glory. I get stoked to talk to people not only whose music I really enjoy, but if they have an accent, I'm all in, man. I just love it. Uh, I don't know what it is. It just makes me feel like I'm more cultured than what I really am or something. I don't know. But uh, Danny, real sweet dude. Was glad to have met him and uh, become internet friends with him. Be safe. Until next week, check out propertyofzac.com 100wordspodcast.com, and I'll talk to you then. Bye.